All right, so we are live. Good evening, good evening, y'all. Dr. Barry here. So we're actually starting a little bit early, especially for those who typically catch me 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going a little bit early. I think, I think, I think this is a good one. Like, I think this is a good topic that we need to touch on. The question is, is being a physician too toxic? Especially in the year 2023, we got to ask ourselves, is being a physician, more importantly, is the journey in becoming physician just now too toxic? And I'm going to obviously go into the detail of why, you know, this question had to be asked. Appreciate you for joining. Appreciate you for joining. Make sure you hit the likes. Make sure you hit that share button. If you're not following, make sure you follow as well. Right. We, I think we got a good doozy of a topic this evening. First of all, thank you for everyone who's uh, joining the live. Again, I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, board-certified internist. This is our weekly live session. I call it my Dr. Reacts, where I just kind of go off the cuff and we just talk about something that comes across the social media feed or some real pressing event that really needs to be discussed. And I think this is a good one because I came across a tweet and fortunately, I've been doing this so much that I can, like people typically send me stuff. So they'll send me some say, hey, hey, Barry, I think I think you need to I think this is a topic you need to touch on. So we're going to do just that. And again, if you're just catching on, this is is becoming a physician too toxic, especially in the year 2023. Join me. Join me. So let's let's give some background. Let's give some background info just so we have an idea like, all right, where is Dr. Barry coming from with this topic? So a tweet got sent to me, uh, someone on Twitter by the name, and obviously we like to give credit where credit's due. Uh, their at name is that one med student. I like the at name, shout out to that. That one med student. And the tweet starts out like this. Tonight, spouse and I officially decided we won't be applying to residency but we'll try to finish our degrees. So I want to pause right there just so every, everyone can kind of catch up and kind of figure out all right, what's happening right now. So you had a person who, a medical student and their spouse, who went through the rigors of pre-med and eventually got to medical school. And they've got, they're literally going through the rigors of getting into medical school. And for what a lot of people may not realize is that just getting into medical school is just like the first part and, you know, the journey for majority of physicians, because not only do you got to go to medical school, obviously you got to get accepted. Right. So I'm assuming you're already accepted. You got to get accepted to medical school. Then you got to go through medical school. Then you got to apply to a residency. Then you got to get accepted to a residency. You got to finish out that residency and that residency may be an extra three to seven years, and then you are what we call an attending physician. Now, mind you, you're a doctor once you finish medical school. So I just want to make sure we get that clarification. You are a doctor once we finish medical school. Like, you're a doctor. Like, boom. Yep, doctor. But if you want to become what we now know as board-certified physician in a certain specialty, whether that is cardiology, whether that is gastroenterology, um, you know, pediatric allergists, like, right, like, like if you want to get specialized in a specialty, you got to do residency to do so. 
So here you have this med student that says, hey, you know what? I done did all the work in pre-med. I done got through medical school. I'm about, I can see the light at the end of this tunnel. And I don't like the direction it's going, right? I do not like the direction that I'm going if I stay on this train of becoming a physician. Like I didn't sign up for this. And for those who may not know, especially a lot of the biggest issues we talk about, especially in medicine, we talk about the aspect of physician suicide. We talk about the aspect of physician burnout. We talk about the aspect of just mental health breakdown. And this isn't just if you get into residency and after. No, we look, there are studies that have looked at how medical students and their, you know, their depression scale and everything else when they're first year medical student versus when they're a final year medical student. So they, they haven't even touched residency yet. Haven't even touched residency yet. And they are much more depressed than when they first started. And when they talk about some of the reasons why a lot of it is expectations, like what they thought medicine was, turns out that medicine was not that. And they figured that out by the time they were a fourth year medical student. You know, money, of course, money's a thing, even though I, I talk about it all the time, you know, there's a lot of different specialties that you can do. There's a lot of different specialties that you can do. It's things you could do, right? If money is a primary driver, medicine isn't the best. Not to say that medicine does not pay, because I'm y'all, especially those who follow me, knows I'm not going to sit here and lie to y'all and act like being a physician does not pay. And any physician who does that, they're just they're lying, right? It pays well. It pays well. But when you factor in your expertise, eh, maybe not. I don't know. But like, it pays well, right? For the like, when when I talk about money issues. I'm only talking about it in the landscape of other physicians because even our low, low paying specialty, and there's a reason why it's our low paying specialty, like our pediatric specialty, our general specialties, our lower paying specialties, you're still likely going to make like 80 to 100 plus a year. So like, so again, so I'm not here to sit here and be like, they don't, they make zero. Like that's not the case. But in relation to the amount of schooling and the work and expertise, they definitely should be making more. But again, that's a whole different discussion. We can talk about that later. So here you have a med student who says, I done went through this. I done went through pre-med. I done went through medical school. And I don't want no parts of residency. I mean, I don't want to become board certified in any specialty. I'm going to do something different. And as a, I'm a former program director of a term medicine residency program, right? I've been a part of graduate medical education pretty much since I got out of residency. This is alarming. And we already have issues with physician shortages. We already have issues with patients not being able to get in touch with a healthcare provider because there's just not enough of us. We're already dealing with low supply already in the front end. And this just kind of adds, this just kind of adds fuel to that fire. So here we have med student says, tonight spouse and I officially decided we will not be applying to residencies, but we'll try to finish our degrees. We're nervous about what will happen, but we have skills besides medicine that we love to use. We both feel lighter and more free. 
We feel like we can prioritize our health and wellness now instead of constantly sacrificing to the altar of medicine. I think everything will be okay. Like, I want y'all to think about that. You have a medical student who's done all, again, they probably said, I want to be a doctor since whenever, right? Let's say they, since medical, middle school, they said, I want to be a doctor. Boom, they got there. They got to the point when like, all right, we just got a couple more steps. And now they're like, I ain't signed up for this. And I'm not going to sacrifice my health and my wellness to the altar of medicine. One thing I always tell uh, uh, you know, my pre-med students and my resident colleagues is that if you allow medicine and really the act of medicine to overtake you, it will. If you don't have an off switch when it comes to this medicine thing, it will run your whole life if you allow it to. So here you have a med student saying, hey, I'm not even going down that road. I don't know what, like that dream y'all was trying to sell me when I was a pre-med, I'm not buying it anymore. I'm getting off this train. It's, then they say, and I'm not sure if it's a he or she, so sorry. It's so insane to me that I was so entrenched in medicine culture that I was okay with ignoring health problems, relationships, hobbies, and things that make me feel both fulfilled and happy. Nothing is worth giving all that up. Right? Think about that. This person says, it's a shame that I was so focused on the act of medicine that I was going to ignore health problems. I was going to ignore my relationships. I was going to ignore hobbies and things that just made me happy. Again, this person is not an outlier. When you talk to physicians... A lot of them will tell you about the fact that when they were going through the process of being a physician, they kind of shut the world out like the world like the world was there, but they weren't a part of it. They were like, talk to any talk to any pre-med right now and ask that pre-med how much free time they got. Talk to any uh, you know person who's really in charge, especially from a resident and tell them how much of their personal life uh, they're able to enjoy those who do not have that balance feel like this person right here. Those who don't have the balance of, okay, I can, I can, I can use and take this medicine as my job, but I'm not going to take it as my life. They feel this exact same way. Right? I forgot that life could be worth living. I forgot how happy it could be just to go walk in the woods or go take art classes just to sit and write. Quality time with loved ones, being content are the most important things. It's so easy to forget that, especially in medicine. Guys, like that's that's sad. That is extremely sad that this person almost got to the finish line and was like, I cannot believe I was letting life pass me by. And you know what? You know what? You know when a lot of us, especially those who are in medicine or in the pursuit of medicine, kind of get this wake up call. When we have a close family member, and again, I don't know this person, but when we have a close family member who passes away and we realize like, man, like all of this time I was focusing on, you know, biochemistry and I was focusing on cardiophysiology and I had a loved one pass away and I, I couldn't be there. Like, like that is so sad for a majority of things, right? And I, I like I've, I told people, like for me, I remember I was a first year medical student going 
uh, to, to a second year medical student. So this was literally the midsummer. And during that time frame, my father passed away like that summer, like my father passed away. Now, do you believe now? Again, school wasn't school. There was no school in session. But do you think I actually cared about cardio fizz and all these other things here when my father passed away? No, like that was like the least of my concerns. But it was even for me, it was a wake up call to say, hey, you know what? I may be putting way too much emphasis over here and not too much emphasis on family. Like I said, I don't know this person. I don't know if something event happened in their life, but an event is what typically what typically spills off and has people who are in this track kind of thinking this way. Let me let me, uh, let, me uh, let me get let me get some questions. I apologize. We're going to get to y'all questions. Um, uh, James, uh, James says, uh, no, everyone has to finish residency, but they're considered that. No, that's not true. So you are actually given, you are actually given a, a doctorate degree from whatever medical school you go to. Like, because there's a, again, this is, there's a lot of people who can't get into residency. There's a lot of people who can't get into residency for lots of different reasons. That doesn't mean they're not a doctor. Like they're a doctor. What we think, especially the general public, we think a doctor is the one who finishes residency and, you know, like the whole Grey's Anatomy style type thing. But that's not the case. So, yes, you are a doctor. Like no one can't take your doctorate degree. And more importantly, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, docs who not a lot, but there are docs who go and say, all right, I'm not going to do residency. I'm going to go into, you know, business side. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. So, no, a residency isn't foundational for you to be considered a doctor. You just got to. You just got to finish med school. And and let me tell you, finish med school is not a joke. It's not like you're just taking the courses that are at that school. You also have to take board exams, three of them. Well, it depends. Some 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 schools, right? I don't want to speak for all schools. Some schools make you take at least two. There are others where you don't even get a graduating um, degree unless you finish the third board exam. So think, let's just, and that's random, but just think about this. Think about you could do so well in medical school, but you don't do well on the standardized national exams and you don't even get that degree from the medical school. And mind you, that medical school been taxing you and taking that tuition money, but you don't get it. That's a whole nother discussion, which we definitely should have. I've had, especially if you're, um, if you don't, if you guys may be new to uh, my channel, um, I have a podcast, uh, Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I've had Dr. Nina Loom, uh, who's an amazing IMG coach. She talks about it all the time. Uh, this roadblock that, you know, standardized testing has in those who are becoming a doctor, right? So, uh, but no, you can, you're definitely a doctor. You don't have to do residency because a lot of people, not a lot of people, there's some people who don't do medicine. Uh, someone, someone asked, what, ma- what did you major in undergrad? So I did exercise physiology and sociology. Um, as an undergrad, uh, that was and the reason why, because I started out biology. I started out biology because everyone tells you, you do something science. But what typically what happens for especially for those, a lot of people who start biology is you start getting into those advanced biology classes and you're looking at nothing but like dead animals that you have to dissect. And I'm like, I want to be a doctor. Why am I dissecting this frog right now? Like, I remember I was sitting in bio two lab thinking to myself, like, I'm. I want to be a doctor. I'm out here dissecting a frog. Let me change my major. So I ended up changing it to exercise physiology because I still was able to get a lot of the prerequisites I needed to apply for medical school. But then I got more of a human focus. Right. So that was my, my uh, goal for that. Um, 
And Emerald says, do you believe in natural medicine? Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think, and now, of course, obviously, when you think about like the, what the term natural medicine means, right? But um, in, in regards to like naturopaths, um, in regards to functional medicine, um, again, I'm an osteopathic physician, right? There's so many different, there's so many different um, modalities when we talk about medicine and healthcare, right? Everything is about just safety. Um, I'm a scientist, obviously. So, you know, what, what's been studied, what's been proven. I'm all about all things that have been shown to be safe for you uh, and for the general public. And again, there's a lot of, especially from a naturopathic standpoint, uh, there are a lot of different modalities and treatment options that are there um, that someone that who, you know, who goes to an allopathic physician or osteopathic physician, they may be like, yeah, that's I'm cool on that type of train of thought. I want to see what my naturopathic say. So I definitely, uh, definitely shout out, definitely am pro uh, the natural medicine. Oh, let's see here. All right, no more questions. So, so when they talk about, you got this person here, right? Which again, let's think about this, right? You have this person who has gotten to this point where they're in medical school. So again, I don't get, I don't, I don't know these people, but here they are, gotten through medical school. I'm assuming they've gotten some loans. I'm assuming you know they've had to pay some money out here. And despite the fact that they've had to pay money, right, for the schooling, which again, tuition is a lot, they're saying, hey, you know what? I'm cool on all that. And yes, I may have student loans up the wazoo. I'm not going to continue because I have a lot of colleagues, full disclosure, I got a lot of colleagues who got to medical school, felt this same way. But you know what? You know what pushed them? It wasn't that they were like, you know what? I, I think medicine's gonna do me great. I'm gonna. It wasn't that. It was the fact that when Sally May sent that letter, said, "Hey, by the way, you owe us two hundred thousand dollars." They're like, "Oh, let me let me keep on going." Millie, hey, how you doing, Millie? So there are a lot of physicians right now who went the track of being a physician because Sally May said, "Hey, you owe a lot of money." And yeah, you may not like what medicine looks like now as a fourth year medical student. You may not like what it looks like now, but you're definitely not going to like like these bills we're about to send you. And you better get a job that can pay for these bills. So the act of having a lot of money that you owe to the, uh, you know, you know, whatever loan, you know, loan shark. I don't want to call a loan shark, but like whatever loan um uh, person you have uh, is a big reason why there are people who are like, you know what, like I'm going to keep on going despite all this, right? Despite the fact that I, I'm not in love anymore. I'm not in love with the idea of being a doctor. I'm not in love with the idea of sacrificing my relationships. I'm not in love with the idea of sacrificing my happiness. I'm not in love with none of that. But I owe these people a lot of money. And because I owe these people a lot of money, guess what? I'm gone. Like, I'm, a, I'm going to keep on going. And for the public, for y'all, a lot of y'all notice, right? Y'all may, not, y'all may not think about it. A lot of y'all notice who some of these doctors are. Some of these doctors who get out here and they're upset at the world. They're upset at the patients. They're upset at the system. It's really because, you know what? 
they if it was up to them, they'd stop tomorrow. But it's not up to them. Their finances and their bills don't allow them to just stop. Right. They they focus. Right. Think, think about this irony. Because they spent, I tell people all the time, I, my twenties are gone. I don't know. I did. I did nothing during my twenties. This is my like my twenties were marked with highlights of tests because my birthday's in December. So typically, um, there was a final exam during my birthday time frame. So twenty first birthday, I was studying for organic chemistry. Twenty fifth birthday, I was studying for anatomy and physiology. Like that's what I remember about those birthdays. I was not out partying doing none of that. I remember I was studying <laughs> like that's what I was doing. So my 20s are a wash. Of course, my 30s are great. I love my 30s. Shout out to the 30s. I just turned 40 this year. Shout out. You know, we're going to start a great decade moving forward. But there are a lot of physicians out here who are upset at the world, don't know how to hide it. They let every they let all of their colleagues know. They let all of the patients know. They probably let their families know. And they're, again, they're upset because the dream that they had of what medicine was when they got there wasn't that. And it's sad. You know, it, it, it sucks, right? It sucks. Again, I feel bad for them, right? I, I wish they had an opportunity to do something they actually love. But Sally Mae and Nell Ned and whoever, you know, whoever they owe money to is like, hey, yeah, that's cool and all, but we still need that money back. Like we still need you to pay that tuition money back uh, when you was in undergrad, when you was in medical school. You know, some people even got during residency. We still need all of that money coming back towards us. So you have it, right? Where I think in the year 2023, a lot more of the my pre-meds, a lot more of my residents, they're very keen on doing what makes them happy. I absolutely love it too. They're very keen on doing what makes them happy. This is a big decision. A med student says, I'm not going to continue a residency. That's a huge decision mentally, physically, financially. And still they're like, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to sacrifice myself to the altar of medicine. Those are huge words, y'all. The altar of medicine. Those are huge words. But when you allow medicine to overtake your life, medicine will definitely do that. Uh, Tatio uh, says, uh, sorry, I'm pronouncing name wrong. I'm working on, on at an ENT clinic. My doc makes sure he's out before anybody can ask him. <laughs> okay, I like, that's funny. This is funny. This is too funny. So she's working at an ENT clinic and her doctor is out of there. Like, gone. Like, nah, get, get me. I'm out of here. Like, I put my, I clocked in, I clocked out, I'm out the door. Shout out, shout out to the ENT. And again, it, can I be mad? Maybe this person is setting the boundaries that physicians before me just did not set. Again, obviously, again, I'm I'm fairly I'm fairly young, right, in my doctor career. Like I'm a decade, like in fact, let me see. I graduated, graduated 2011. I always forget this, right? That's, I'm getting old. I graduated 2011 from medical school, graduated 2014 from residency. So I'm not even a decade out from being a resident, not even 10 years out from being a resident. 
But I know that the doctors ahead of me, the attendings ahead of me, they used to work like crazy. And I used to, I not used to, I still look at them and like, hey, yeah, when I'm like, when I'm that old, I'm not trying to work like that. And it's just getting better, right? And a key I'm saying is just getting better for the doctors behind me. Because the doctors behind me are not about those games, right? Like, <laughs> let me see. Yep, his boundaries are definitely set for a good reason. Oh, and def- for sure. Like, they are the doctors. And, and of course, they get labeled, right? The doctors behind, the, the med students, the, the residents behind me get labeled as soft, get labeled as this, get labeled as that. Oh, they don't want to work as hard. But it's not. It's that what they're prioritizing, their mental health their happiness, they're prioritizing it for a reason because they see y'all moping around these hospitals, upset at the world, upset at the nurses, upset at the staff, upset at the unit clerks, y'all upset at everybody but yourself. You won't be upset with yourself, so you take it out right on everyone around you in your vicinity just because you happen to be the doctor. Like I said, so I absolutely love, I know this is a tough decision, but I love the decision because this person is looking inside themselves and saying, and, and their their spouse is looking at themselves and saying, hey, you know what? I don't think we can continue to do this and live the happy life that we want to live. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Crying, crying and studying. A lot of crying. A lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I got I got stories of uh, tears and studying that occurred during medical school, that occurred during residency. I used to just live at the library. Like it was, and again, and I wish I could say I was solo. Not only did I live at the library, a lot of my friends lived at the library. It was just what, it was what we knew. We didn't know, no, we didn't know that we should be out, you know, trying to enjoy our life, you know, while, you know, studying appropriately, we didn't know that. We just assumed that there was only one way. And I, I think with the way medicine is going, I think with the way we are challenging ourselves from a mental health perspective, we're, we're not going to really allow that to continue to occur because something is going to have to change. Right. I'm, we're going to we're going to get to it, but something is going to have to adjust. Because either you're going to have less and less people. It's already tough to get become a doctor. Ask anyone who's a pre-med. It's already tough to become a doctor. You're going to have less and less people trying to become a doctor. Which means you'll have less and less people becoming doctors. Which means you'll have less and less people to, t- to take care of our growing population. Who keeps getting older. Who keeps living longer. Who keep, who, who is, and it's not like long. They're like, they're healthy. Right? Like. There's a population that continues to grow, but our population of doctors are not. So as, you know, uh, you know, a representative, right, in this field of medicine, we really have to start looking at ourselves and figure out, okay, what are we doing in our medical schools? What are we doing for our pre-med students? What are we doing for our residents? What are we doing for them to make it so that they're not having to deal with such a level of stress where they feel like, I'm going to get to the end of my medical school career and be like, I'm done. Like, I don't want no parts of what's going on there. So Millie, Millie said, let's highlight Millie real quick. 
Millie says, the U.S. is the only country people will become a doctor for money, not because of a calling and wanting help. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's backwards. Right. And I said I said this earlier. You going to medicine for money, especially when and, and I talked about this wish when we had our live, when we talked about the nurse practitioner versus doctor thing. Like we the doctors are like this is the sm- small piece of pie that's in medicine. And we're trying to fight over this small piece of pie right here when there's so much people making money in healthcare that don't have to fight over the little piece of pie that we be fighting over just to become a doctor. And again, that does not include the years of undergrad to be while you're a pre-med. It does not include the years lost as a medical student. That does not include the years lost as a resident. Like all of those things, like once you factor in, the amount of money they give you is never, especially when you think about it, is never going to be enough. And again, remember, uh, when I say, again, because I don't want y'all to be in my comments, right? When I talk about doctors not making enough money, I'm talking about it in a room full of other doctors, right? Because again, us not making a lot of money would, would change y'all life. Like us making low money, like what we consider low money would change a lot of people's life. So don't run with the quote and saying, Dr. Pierce says the doctors ain't making no money. We making money. But when we factor in our skill set, when we factor in our time and again, relationships lost, happiness lost, wellness lost. When we factor all those things there, it ain't that much. But again, it's still a lot of money. Right. So don't don't run to me. Please, please don't do it. Uh, Most doctors in other countries get in the profession because they love what they do in the science. Yes. And. What you see, especially especially the doctors who love what they do and, and, and love the science aspects of just medicine, it's so easy. They, stay, they stand out from a mile away. You, you don't even have to think about the doctors who you come into contact with who really love doing what they do. I tell people all the time, I feel like I'd be stealing money over there. I'm like, man, I can't believe they, they, they pay me for this. I love doing this. Like I get up every day saying, man, I love the opportunity I have as a physician. I know a lot of I got some colleagues who, who don't wake up like that, y'all. Full disclosure. I got some colleagues who don't wake up being happy with the opportunity. I got some colleagues who are upset with all of the, you know, the 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 you know the the burdens that have been placed on them because of the opportunity, rightfully so, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna, we're not going to discount why they're upset, but there's not a lot of doctors who are like, man, I'm I'm so glad I get to do this, like they're just not, and you know the ones who are because they stand out like a sore thumb, like it's like that when I because I do I do inpatient medicine, rehab medicine, um, hospital medicine. So essentially post-acute care. So I don't I don't have like an office anymore. I used to have an office when I first started out of residency. I don't have an office anymore. But the amount of people who would be like, man, do you have an office? Can I come see you after? Because because they just recognize that, yeah, you know what? This guy cares just a little bit more. And again, I don't, and y'all, like I wish I could toot my own horn. Like I wish I can tell y'all like I'm like the the next best thing since sliced bread. I wish I could tell you that. Low key, I may be low key. I may be subconsciously telling you that low key. I don't know. But I know it just because I'm just head above and shoulders the rest. Right. Like because I know when I walk into a room, that patient recognizes that, like, I just care a little bit more. 
And unfortunately, our profession is being drowned out by a lot of docs who don't really care that much. Which again, which is sad, but you know, what, what can you do? <laughs> let's see here. Um, oh, let me see here. Let's see. Oh, so Flash, so Flash, is, Flash says, same for nurses, same for phlebotomists, same for CNAs. When are we going to come together? Yeah, see, so this, again, so obviously this, you know, the, the talk is about doctors and the act of becoming a doctor being too toxic. Healthcare in general, if we really want to have some conversation, is becoming extremely toxic for a lot of people. So whether you are a nurse, whether you're a CNA, unit secretary, clerk, physical therapist, occupational therapist, respiratory therapist, um, speech therapist, dietitian, healthcare is becoming a place where it's not all all bubbly and all roses when you walk into the building. And that's something, again, those who are on this side has to address or we're going to have a lot, a lot of difficulty trying to impress y'all to come over here. Like we're going to have a, it's going to be a difficult time for me to try to impress you to come be a doctor when I tell you like, all right, yes, you got to do undergrad three years, four years, whatever that is. Yes. You probably got to do medical school. Yep. About four years. Yeah. There's going to be about three board exams before you get out of medical school. Yes. Yeah. You're going to have to also apply to a residency again and, you know, depending on the school that you went to, whether you're an allopath or osteopath, that may be harder, may be easier. Um, depending on the specialty that you want, depending on the, the score that you got on your first board exam that you took probably three years prior to you applying for medical school. Um, like all of these things factor in in the type of specialty you want. Like, but, this, but despite all that, please become a doctor. It's going to be much difficult for me to continue to try to sell y'all that dream. So my 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 residents, my uh, medical students, uh, my pre meds, they know. I give them every. I, I let them know, like, hey, this is what this is what it is. I want y'all to know that this is what it is, so y'all are not, you know, blindsided and say, oh my god, Barry ain't say none of this. He ain't say that there's a lot of sleepless nights. He ain't say that. You know what? I'm gonna be missing, you know, birthdays and uh, you know, holiday. I may have missed some holidays and like he ain't say all of that. So I, I let them know, like, hey, this is all that's happening. But I promise you, I promise you, if you're able to balance it, if you're able to maneuver like you need maneuver, it's gonna be great at the end, right? Like it's so. Trust me, I, I know it's it's uh, tough. Oh yeah, uh, you talked about. Uh, yeah, that 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 school debt flash flash says it about three hundred is school debt. Oh yeah, again a a lot. The whole right now we got a whole controversy of student loan forgiveness. Right now, obviously, if you're a doctor, that don't even apply to you. You make too much money. Right, I'm assuming. I don't know. I'm not in your pockets. Right, but let's say you make too much money. Right, so that don't come that that student loan forgiveness. You you're not even having that discussion. Even if they gave you twenty five thousand bucks, twenty five thousand out of you know, three, three, three hundred thousand. Yeah, you still owe a lot of money still. But that student loan debt has a lot of grumpy doctors doing work in their 60s and 70s. That student loan debt has a lot of and, and these are ones who if you're 60 or 70, you shouldn't even have that much debt. But whatever debt you had, 
You know, you, you probably had, you know, a little, little a scope creep, right? As your money went up, your spending went up. So you haven't had time to match it. So when, when you factor in how much it costs to become a doctor in this time frame, 200000 is light. 300000 is light. Y'all, I have not, I have not checked how much I owe Nelnet since the pandemic. Since the pandemic, shout out to shout out to all of those deferments. I haven't even checked because it don't even matter. I'm like, all right, whatever that number is, I got to pay it anyways. Thankfully, I'm not paying it right now. But whatever it is, I got to pay it anyway. So I can't even be stressed by that number. I can't even be stressed by that number. But I know I owe like a couple hundred easily, maybe close to three. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not even looking. <laughs> Oh, let me see. Uh, so one, two, three, we went one, two, three caller says, if you visit Reddit, you would swear doctors hate all APPs, uh, especially uh, nurse practitioners. So again, we, we talked about this um, last week. We talked about this last week, doctors versus nurse practitioners. Uh, if you're following me, click the link. In the, first of all, follow me on TikTok. Hit up the link in the bio. Go subscribe to my YouTube page. I dropped that episode last week to catch. And if you like podcasts, I actually put it on my podcast as well. There's some, there's some angst. There's some angst here for several different reasons. I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is misguided angst against the APP, especially the NPs. Um, there's some angst there. I'll, I'll just say that for sure. There, there's definitely some angst. But you know, like I said, I, I work with um, when I work with four nurse practitioners, uh, work amazingly well. Uh, but I could see why. Uh, some doctors w- wouldn't like to work with nurse practitioners, right? I could, I could definitely see that happening, right? So let me, and let me, let me finish her. This, this person's three thread. We realized that if we were going to residency, going to apply to residency, we won't say, we won't say not once we match. We won't back out. We're there. We won't choose another path after residency because of all the depth and training. We wake up in a decade and realize that this was still a mistake, y'all. Again, this person started out saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm a fourth year medical student. I'm, the, the train stops right here. I'm not going to residency. And they, went, they had an amazing tweet thread just kind of breaking down the reasons why they were doing it. And I, again, I, this I think is amazing. We realized that if we were going to apply to residency, we won't say no once we match we won't back out once we're there. We won't choose another path after residency because of all of the debt in training. We'd wake up in a decade and realize we, it was still a mistake. Like, think about, think about like how much retrospective, uh, you know, thinking you had to go through when you're looking at yourself. Like, all right, if we continue with this residency. And then in 10 years, it's still like, I'm not going to be happy in 10 years, despite what it looks like 10 years later, despite whatever money they're making me, uh, whatever, whatever money I'm making myself, whatever, however great residency was, I'm not going to be happy. It's still a mistake. So I'm getting off the train right now. So again, the question is medicine and becoming a doctor too toxic and more importantly, what are we going to do about it? Right? What are we going to do if that was the case? 
Uh, oh, I went to Drew Collins, so I'll, I'll get to that. I'll, fin I'll finish that uh, quick little monologue before. Uh, Will Collins says, will you first subspecialize Dr. Barry? If so, what specialty? So, me, no. I'm, I'm out of the subspecialized game. Like, I've been, like I said, I've been out of residency for like nine years. Um, so, I can't even... I can't even fathom becoming a fellow again somewhere. I can't even fathom it. But, but if I had to choose a specialty, it likely would have been cardiology. Because I'm a big, I was always a big fan of cardiology. I just told myself, again, like I said, this maybe this was just me kind of looking for it. I, when I was a medical student, and more importantly, when I was a resident, I used to look at my cardiologist friends like, yeah, y'all still working a lot. Like, I would look at them and be like, okay, yeah, they got to do, especially if you're in a hospital, cardiology is the number one uh, uh, consultant specialty, right? Out there, right? So you working a lot. You working a lot of hours. You're, you're, even in the outpatient world, you're working pretty good because you're always busy. And again, the, the money... Right. If we ha if I had to break down to the financials, y'all not getting paid that much more than a person who does hospital medicine. So I'm like, OK, yeah, I can't see myself losing because that's what you'd be doing. I can't see myself losing three years of an ability to make money as a hospitalist physician or just physician in general, board certified internist to go do three more years of a subspecialty in cardiology. Like I said, I love cardiology. Absolutely love it. But I don't love it enough to be like, all right, let me let me put let me put this work on the back burner. Go be someone's fellow for another three years. And especially if that's if you just stop at regular cardiology uh, and, and go regular, yeah, regular cardiology. But like if they me, I'm not subspecializing. But if you told if you said if you rewinded the clock and said, hey, like you're not allowed to be a hospitalist physician. What specialty are you going to? Then it would have been cardiology. Like it for sure, it would have been that. In that regards. So again, just uh, again, just to kind of make sure we wrap things up, right? So we talked this evening about a medical student and their decision, along with their spouse, right? Imagine, imagine that convo over dinner. Imagine that conversation over dinner. That they say, hey, you know what? Is getting about that time. We should be applying for residencies, but I, I don't, I don't think I want to do it. And having a spouse who's on that same wavelength. That's so. Um, not only did one person have to decide, I'm not going to do residency. I'm getting off this train of medicine. You had to get two people to decide that. You had to have two lives be affected and not just the two lives, because obviously, if you don't become a resident um, physician and board certified and all those other things there, you got to think about their ancillary family members who, you know, one way or the other may be affected one way or not. So, yeah, two people decide, hey, you know what? I'm getting off this train of medicine. It's too toxic. Right. Again, they talked about it. I'm not going to swear to the altar of medicine. I'm going to swear to the altar of myself. I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to focus on my health, my wellness, my well-being. I want to focus on the relationships that I know I'm missing because I'm I'm sitting here focusing on cardiophysiology and microbiology and I don't want to have to deal with 
a, a resident who may be upset with me. I don't want to have to deal with an attending who may be upset with me for the next three plus years. Like, I don't want no parts of that. I'm getting off of this train. So I, like I said, I, again, I don't know who this person is. Uh, the at name is that one, one with the number, that one med student, like go follow them. I don't know if they're on TikTok. Um, go follow them. Like I said, I think it's, again, I think it's courageous, but I think it's, it's really the start of things to come. If we in the profession, again, those who are on this side, don't really start looking and saying like, hey, guys, this is a red alarm, right? The alarm is ringing. We need to do something. We have to do something or it's going to be tough for us to want to retire, right? We're going to want to retire, but ain't going to be nobody behind us ready to take our place. It just now. Trust me, as a as a black physician, I can assure you. There are a lot of black pre-med students. Again, and again, I don't know if this person's black, right? I don't know. I assume they're not. And for lots of different reasons. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of black pre-med students who would love to take the position. But do they would they take that position knowing all of the angst and strife that is going to come upon them when they take that position? I don't know. And I, I think that's what's tough, right? I think that's what's tough. Now, again, she, she's, she's this person and this spouse not going into residency now, but trust me, we got a lot of medical students out there. So that residency spot is going to get filled, but there's going to get a time where we're not able to fill as much as people are saying, I'm out of medicine. I am, again, I'm not even a decade out of residency and I know a lot of my friends who are like, they're looking for the second career, right? They're like, all right, yep, this medicine stuff was cool. I'm getting up out of here. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I like I'm out of medicine's not my thing, right? I'm going to um, invest in stocks. I'm going to do real estate. I'm going to uh, do, you know, social media content. Right. I'm going I'm to do something left field. I'm going to do photography. I'm going to like I'm going to do anything that does not remind me of medicine. And these people are not even 10 years out of residency. And they're like, I want to do anything outside of medicine. It's a growing concern. It's something that we really need, especially those on this side, really need to be mindful for. And you know who gets hurt? Right. The people, who, the people, the general public. Right. Those are people who are eventually going to get hurt because you're just going to have less and less doctors and less and less opportunity for to be taken care of by great people. Because, again, I don't know who this that one med student is. Or I have no clue who this person is. Right. But I'm assuming they they might have been a great character. Right. And we lost another. We lost two possible. Again, I don't know them. We lost two great characters in our field of medicine because we were too toxic. And that's something we got to address ASAP. We have to address that ASAP. So again, we started early uh, this week. Uh, let me make sure I don't have any, uh, uh, oh, uh, so any possible, so I'll be, I'm, I'm, gonna get, I'm, I'm gonna answer this question, then I'm gonna get up out of here. So any possible solutions? Um, I think it starts out, 
I think it starts out in the med student, the pre-med student, right? I think we have to really start looking at how we are training our medical students. And that's when when they're just focusing on the book work, right? How much time are we giving them? How much time are we acknowledging uh, their mental health their, their well-being, how much time are we giving them to uh, procure some hobbies to get outside of messing, like get away from here. That's in medical school. And then when they get to like start shadowing and working with uh, resident students and doctors, are we beating them up? Are we making it a toxic environment when they do get there? So that by the time they're a fourth year medical student, they're like, I don't want no parts of it. Are we attending physicians doing the job training our resident physicians who are going to be attending physicians not to be toxic, to focus on themselves, to make sure they have outside curricular activities, to make sure that they are are just as sharp outside of medicine that they are inside of medicine? Like, what are we doing? What is our curriculum like? Like, what is our focus? Like, are we focusing on just the board scores? Are we focusing on just who are going to be good people? Like, what are we doing there? And then when you get out and you become an attending physician, like, are we holding each other accountable? Like, when I see when I see my colleagues acting a little snotty uh, towards one of my uh, my CNAs, my nurses, my OT, my PT, my speech, my search, like when I see them do that, I say, hey, you got to relax. You can't do this by yourself, fam. You got to call them out immediately, right? So are we holding other attending physicians accountable to make sure that the environment of medicine and and healthcare isn't so toxic that now not only are we scaring med students becoming attendings, we're scaring people who who are going to do CNA work. We're going to we're scaring the people who are going to be nurses and maybe nurse practitioners. We're scaring the people who want to be respiratory therapists. We're scaring like like are we creating the environment that's too toxic and then trying to blame others? And are we doing enough to fix it? Right. Like I think like if I had to list those would be the things I attack almost immediately. It like it has to be done. Um, when I was a program director, uh, one of the big things I would always talk about um, with my residents is just making sure you got something other. Like there has to be an other. And you have to know that this is an open space that you can come and say, hey, these are my problems and things are going to happen. Like you got to have that type of open space and ability for it. Uh, you have insight, another profession not drained by a toxic system. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and that's again, that's what it is. When I read those sets of tweets, we, we lost another great professional. We lost a future, you know, you know, this person could have been the best, whatever, surgeon, pediatrician, uh, OB guy, whatever. Like, and who knows what their spouse is, right? We lost, we could have lost the number one person that would have been that specialty now because we created such a toxic system that didn't allow them to grow, that didn't allow them to become themselves within medicine, right? We, we, we've done that, right? Like that's, I think that's been our big issue, right? So again, appreciate y'all for joining, for liking, for sharing. I'm yours truly, Dr. Barry. Make sure you follow, hit that follow button. If you caught this live, if you caught this late, um, I will be posting it on my YouTube channel tomorrow. Um, and if you're a, an audio listener, it will be on my podcast tomorrow as well. So we'll, so for the late comers, uh, 
it'll be on there tomorrow for y'all. So y'all be blessed. Have a great week, right? And I'm gonna see y'all next week.